Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the CX Cast. This is your host, Jenny Wise, and I am joined this week by Principal Analyst on the Customer Experience Team at Forrester, TJ Kitt. Hi, TJ. Hi, Jenny. TJ, you are here to answer a very big question on this week's episode, which is how are companies' customer experiences doing going into 2020? And the basis of this is some research that was recently published called the U.S. Customer Experience Index 2020. And so I want to dive into the findings and what happened with the scores of these companies. But before we do, while we talk about the Customer Experience Index a lot, some listeners might not be as familiar with it. So could you give an overview of what is the Customer Experience Index? Uh, sure. I guess simply put, it's a mechanism for measuring how the quality of a customer experience affects customer loyalty. The way that Forrester defines uh, the quality of an experience is along three axes. The effectiveness of an experience, so how well does it meet, uh, what it is the customer is trying to do or meets their needs. The ease of the experience, so how simply could they achieve their goals. And the emotion of the experience, so how did it ultimately make them feel? go about doing that. And then, you know, we look at those things in comparison to the loyalty that an individual has to a particular brand. And the way that we define loyalty is, again, along three axes. One is advocacy. You know, so how willing is an individual to recommend a product or service to a friend or family member? The second is retention. So that's what it sounds like. You know, bonus to keep their business with the company. Mm-hmm. And then the final one is what we refer to as enrichment. That's just a fancy way of saying upsell and cross-sell opportunities that come as a consequence of you doing business with this company and feeling that you're getting all the value that you want out of it. So the the CX index itself is a, a composite score, a zero to 100 scale that gives you kind of a, a general sense of you know how those two things are related. So the closer to 100 that you get, the stronger the relationship is between the quality of a customer experience and customer loyalty. Great. And these scores are based on data and feedback from real customers and real perceptions across a variety of different industries. Yes. Which I know that when we think about then looking at this data in 2020, a lot has happened in 2020. (laughs) And so I'm curious just to hear a little bit more about what that survey methodology was like. Are these scores looking at pre-pandemic customer perceptions or more recent scores? It's a little both. The majority of the survey was fielded prior to the cutoff point that we picked, which was where President Trump declared a national emergency around Mm COVID-19. So for many industries, uh, they were out of field. For example, both multi-channel and digital retailers were out of field by the time that national emergency was declared on March 13th. Federal government and airlines were mostly out of the field by that point in time. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's, uh, I guess, kind of the closest industry where you had about half of the respondents coming after that cutoff point was luxury automobiles. But I think it's important to point out that March 13th uh, cutoff date and the data collected shortly thereafter that point reflects a, a very early stage in the, uh, the pandemic, at least as it relates to the United States. So looking at our, our data and trying to find evidence of you know some real customer harm or customer benefit that, that companies have delivered during this period, it's difficult to relate that specifically to COVID-19 because the scores don't vary all that much. That's not unexpected, you know, given that, you know, this was a, you know, very early on in the crisis, people were still trying to get a sense right. of what all of it meant and 
uh, they weren't necessarily blaming companies for the woes of the world. Right. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, from the perspective of any individual that's that's looking at these data, I wouldn't you know spend a lot of time focusing on you know what this means pre and post the onset of the pandemic, and I would think of this more as a snapshot of the world before. Right. You know, that kind of give you a sense of what it was that companies had banked in terms of you know, what we refer to as CX equity, or really just kind of goodwill uh, with their customers as a consequence of the experience that they're delivering. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Right. Even if they took the survey after, a lot of the interactions and perceptions had already been formed previously. Sort of as you mentioned. But then that's also good because it allows us to sort of trend the data year over year to Mm -hmm. see how these scores are. Are companies increasing their CX quality? Are they decreasing in CX quality? If I remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong. I think CX scores had been relatively stagnant based on our 2019 data. So what did we see in 2020? Were there any shifts in the scores? Uh, so there were uh, quite a few, actually. Just to back up, the way we break down the, the scoring is that we look at, at different points. So then below a certain number, we call it very poor, and then poor, okay, good, and then excellent. So about uh, a little over a quarter of the, the brands that we looked at saw an increase in their scores. About you know, eight or so of them registered score increases of about five to six points. The average score climb was about four points. So these were significant you know, changes from the, the story that we that we saw in years past. And a lot of that meant that you know industries were shifting in terms of their positions. So you saw a lot of companies and industries shifting from poor to okay um, in terms of you know the you know, different brands in the industry raising their customer experience scores. We saw a lot of companies beginning to shift to the right going from poor to okay. And we also saw a number of companies jump into the good category. So we saw the percentage of companies in the the good category jump three percentage points, which is the uh, the largest gain that we've seen in about five years. So overall, that's a fairly positive story. Yeah, that's great. Especially after the story that, you know, previous years, it sounded like maybe this was stagnating and who knows if customer expectations were moving so quickly that companies couldn't keep up or if companies were just trying to figure out how to manage their CX programs better to be able to more effectively meet that that sort of customer expectation and demand. When we look at this shift then, and I know that there are sort of many drivers that vary across different industries that fall into those ease, effectiveness, and emotion categories. But are there any specific drivers or reasons or root causes that led these scores to increase more this year than the previous years? I don't necessarily you know, kind of want to get ahead of things that Carly on our team and Sam are working on. But usually, you know, when you're talking about these sorts of improvements in customer experience uh, index scores, what you're, you're looking at are specific improvements to different business processes that under the different customer journeys that, that customers take with these businesses. Yeah, so yeah, you know, if you're just kind of looking across these uh, these different companies, you know, you'll, you'll find examples of, of businesses that have focused a lot on you know, business process reformation, you know, in different areas, whether it's in uh, customer support or from you know, services like, you know, if you're in a hotel guest services, for example, you know, to kind of make sure that the business is actually able to support people. I think the other thing too that perhaps you know, contributes to this is um, 
everyone kind of rushes you know, to this idea that everything must be digital um, and that we spend all of our time creating digital experiences and you know, mobile apps and web pages and things like that. And yeah, you know, by and large, you know, those things are, are table stakes. Like you, you know, what company that you're doing business with, wouldn't you expect to have a web page of some sort? So I, th- I think, you know, companies perhaps looking less at, you know, some of these kind of overarching surface level improvements to their, their customer experience by focusing strictly on maybe like a digital interface of some sort and maybe looking more holistically at their service design and how all of that comes together across both uh, physical and digital um, interactions that will ultimately affect the customer experience. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a good point to not over-index too much on digital or what seems like quick fixes or the new shiny object because, for example, I know in some industries, emotion is one of these key drivers of customer experience. And in some Mm -hmm. instances, the in-person experience is what drives the most positive emotion, right? And so if you're only focusing on digital, then you're losing one of those real core drivers of the customer experience quality in your industry or for your customers. Now, of course, that's going to be hard to say right now when in-person experiences are a little complicated. Right. And sure. happening less than, than they would be. But it is still important not to lose sight of all of the touch points and experiences that drive CX. I agree. So then I'm curious to know when companies are thinking about their CX score or just their customer experience broadly and what to be focusing on to really improve it and how to think about this. Is there any sort of high level advice that you would give to them, especially as they're trying to think about how to get through this pandemic and the times right now? Yeah, so I mean, these are these are odd times, but I think there's a there's an opportunity for most of the companies that, that we were looking at. So I mentioned a little earlier this idea of customer experience equity and the idea that all of these score increases are sent to the goodwill that companies have banked with their their customers. Now, like any sort of you know, asset, you, know, you have a choice as to what you can do with it. Could spend it down. That's that's pretty easy. You just keep messing up, and you sap your equity, paying debts to your customers for follow-ups. Or you know you can figure out how you want to add to it. How you want to grow uh, your position you know, with your your customers. And there's there's opportunity to do both of those things this current period. But as I mentioned, it's really easy to do the former because that just requires not doing the simple things like you know, listening to your customers and mm-hmm. you know, trying to understand you know what it is that they uh, that they need at this point in time. You mentioned emotion, for example, it's kind of a big uh, driver. Well, we know you know the emotions that generally drive the CX index on the positive side are things like feeling appreciated, feeling happy, and feeling valued. And the negative side, it's being annoyed, being disappointed, being frustrated. Well, you know, people are predisposed to being annoyed, disappointed, and frustrated at this point in time. So not having yourself sorted out, you know, what are we, four months into this, you know, still delivering a poor customer service at this point in time is a pretty easy way to tip your customer onto the negative emotion side. And so that's a fine way to spin down that equity. The, uh, the adding to it, uh, you know, it's, it's more difficult because you have to you know, kind of be more considerate of individuals' needs. And that consideration starts with just understanding, you know, first and foremost, you know, what it is that your customers value and doing business with you. So when we talk about kind of emotion being a powerful driver, well, it's because something like effectiveness is expected. Like it's hard for this to be emotionally satisfying and for it to be easy if it didn't do what I wanted it to do. But there are a lot of experiences that people have you know, with businesses that don't deliver what they want. It's not you know, out of any malice. It's 
simply that companies have lost sight of what it is they do that's valuable for their customers. Right. And the companies that do very well, their, their clients and do very well in the customer experience index consistently seem to have a pretty good understanding of what is valuable and what they provide their customers. Their customers. Yes, we're talking about companies like Lexus or maybe Federal Credit Union or USAA. Those are companies that have a, a, you know, a focused customer base. And the consequence of that, they have you know, some pretty clear ideas as to what is valuable and the experiences that they deliver. Right. And, and because they know what their customers value, they also you know, kind of know, you know how then to hit the right emotional notes. So those same companies tend to you know, fare a lot better than their industry averages when it comes to emotion. You know, so if you're looking at like a Navy Federal Credit Union, for example, when it comes to you know being a multi-channel bank, their top scores for emotions are 17 uh, percentage points higher than their industry average. That's a it's a huge disparity. You know, to, if you think about just the weight in which you know they can exert on that industry as a con in, in terms of the industry averages, you know, they're going to be a big pull in one direction. You remove them from that, they you know the industry goes in another direction. So you know, just kind of you know from that perspective alone, just you know, having that clarity of you know, who your customers are and having a clarity on what they need, then you know does you know, kind of benefit you downstream in terms of you know then hitting the right notes for them. And then that gives you you know that gives you some runway. It gives you some runway to, to try different things that could potentially improve the experience your customer. And that's you know, what we've described in the report as you know, having the latitude to mess up. You know? So these companies have pretty high percentage of their, their customers who are willing to forgive them for mistakes. And so if you're, if you're able to create a willingness to forgive, you know, that means that, like, yes, if you mess up, you know, then you're not going to you know, lose them at that point in time. But it also means that you can try things. And if you mess up, you know, there's not going to be that big of a downside with these customers because you built goodwill with them. So, you know, that, that does provide those opportunities, you know, to keep you know, adding to that advantage that you have in customer experience because you can be a bit more bold in terms of how you approach creative problem solving for your customers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. So, you know, how to really think about how to separate your brand from becoming a commodity in any way, where they will easily swap you out for another brand or company if something doesn't go as they want to building that goodwill so that they will stay with you, right? And give you another shot. Yeah. I mean, I think the difference stream of research and what we, we talk about you know, is how defensible are your customers. Uh -huh. The way that Amazon talks about prime customer base is that they were attempting to build a moat around their most valuable customers. And that moat you know, had two purposes. Like, yeah, it made it difficult for competitors to get in and get at those customers, but it also made it kind of difficult for those customers to get out right. because the benefits of being behind the walls and on the other side of the moat were too good. And as proof of that, their customers are willing to pay them $119 per year. You know, for the privilege of you know taking up residence in that uh, plush environment of the prime program, mm -hmm. but that again comes down to you, know, you can't create that unless you understand really well what it is that you do for your customers and what are the things that they would need in order to create that sort of premium program. And the simple fact is that many companies, and I would argue most companies, you know, just don't have that clarity in terms of what it is that this thing that they made does for any individual customer. That's a challenge. It's one that's potentially wrapped up in issues like, you know, not have necessarily, you know, having any clarity as to why you built the thing in the first place. It could also just be a simple kind of misunderstanding of, you know, the extension of you know, the product and service into new customer groups that you hadn't considered before. You know, so if you think about, you know, Timberland work boots, you know, weren't necessarily you know, designed as a part of urban fashions, uh, but it kind of ended up in that place. You know, as people who 
thought they were comfortable and interesting to wear with, uh, you know, jeans and other clothing. And I picked them up as a brand and, you know, eventually, you know, uh, Timberland uh, pivoted to cater that market just as they were catering to, you know, their core constituency of you know, people who needed you know, boots for construction and hiking and so on. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's, it's a matter of, you know, just kind of really going back to basics and trying to understand that, you know, that these people that you're selling something to aren't here strictly to give you money. They're trying to accomplish something. So you know, what is it that, uh, that they're trying to accomplish and how can you cater to that? Yeah, absolutely. I know that's also a message that, you know, especially recently, and we had some conversations with Judy Weeder about also how brands are responding to the pandemic. But now is such a good time if needed because companies are really being tested to go back to your customer and understand why are they interacting with you, right? What is the value that you provide to them? How can you augment your products and services you know, to make sure that they feel appreciated, happy, and valued, right? Some of those emotional components that you mentioned earlier, you know, at this time, and then also sort of in the longer term. So that's a good sort of challenge for all all companies to start to do now. Well, TJ, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing these findings. It's good to hear that, you know, we begin to see some positive movement in the U.S. Customer Experience Index this year. Um, hopefully that continues and you know companies really are looking at ways to understand and deliver that customer value even now. Listeners, if you want to know more and see more of the data that TJ talked about today, we will include a link to the report called the U.S. Customer Experience Index 2020 in the show notes. And thank you, TJ, for joining and talk to you all next week. 